Okay, Liz, here's some quick math. The less your business spends on operations, multiple systems, delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep. So to reduce costs and headaches, smart businesses are graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one platform and one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs, you cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems, and you improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. By popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to netsuite.com slash hollywood. NetSuite.com slash Hollywood. NetSuite.com slash Hollywood. So, Sarah, I finally got my denim shirt in the mail. Oh, do you like it? I love it. In fact, I'm going to debut it today in our Zoom meeting. Nice. I will not wear my denim jacket then. Yes. We're going to have to alternate our denim. Yes. Hi, and welcome to Happier in Hollywood, the podcast about how to be happier, healthier, saner, more creative, more successful, and more productive in a backbiting, superficial, chaotic, unpredictable, fundamentally insane world. I'm Sarah Fain, a TV writer and producer living in LA, and with me is my high school friend and writing partner, Liz. That's me, Liz Kraft. On this podcast, we talk about being writers in Hollywood, how we balance a career and friendship, and how to survive the war of attrition that is life in Los Angeles. In this episode, we're going to talk to our amazing manager, Diane Frazier, about what a manager is exactly, and more importantly, how can you get one? Then we usually talk about choosing the bigger life, but today Sarah is wondering how she can make her life smaller and therefore easier. Spoiler alert, we'll be asking for your suggestions. This week's Hollywood Hack will help you deal with Zoom fatigue. Many of us are experiencing that in a big way. Yes. But first, an update. In episode 156, we talked to Emmy-nominated costume designer Allison Fanger about how to dress yourself and your space for Zoom meetings. And Allison suggested small scarves with your collared shirts. And particularly, she wanted to tell you about a small business called The Little Project that makes amazing small scarves. She used their scarves on Grace and Frankie. So we'll link to them in the show notes for this episode at happierinhollywood.com. And I want to quickly remind everyone that Gretchen and I are doing Insta Live every Monday through Friday at 1 p.m. Pacific. So come enjoy that. And you can follow at Gretchen Rubin on Instagram to check it out. And of course, we also have our Happier in Hollywood Facebook group, which is a practical, positive place to connect during this whole COVID-19 situation. It's definitely helping me through these isolated days. Me too. It's like the first place I go every morning is to our our Facebook group. (laughs) Okay, Sarah, it is time for From the Treadmill Desk of, in which we discuss what's most pressing in our work psyches. And this week, we're all about Diane Frazier. Woo! 
We talked about our new manager, Diane, in episode 153 when we announced that we once again have representation. (laughs) Well, we've had a lawyer, but now we also have our manager. For anyone who's just tuning in, Sarah and I parted ways with our agent, Matt Solo, last April due to a conflict between the WGA and the ATA, and we have been without an agent since then. Yes, and we still don't have an agent, but we do have a manager. We've had many people write to us to ask us exactly what a manager is and how managers are different from agents. So today we will get all of those answers from Diane herself. Diane Frazier is a partner at Industry Entertainment Partners, where she primarily represents writers in both film and television. Prior to joining industry, she was vice president of series packaging and TV literary at ICM. She joined ICM from boutique agency Major Clients Agency, which she co-owned. In addition to her work in the worlds of film and television, Diane has produced multiple stage musicals and is active as a concert producer. She regularly presents and performs in live Broadway-themed musicals events, including many benefit concerts for nonprofit organizations. And Diane is part of a benefit for a great cause, the Actors Fund. You can visit the website www.fraserentertainmentgroup.com, the Facebook page an Evening of Classic Broadway, or on Instagram, classic underscore B-Way, to watch a video compilation of past classic Broadway Mother's Day shows. Mother's Day is past, but any donation is welcome. Hi, Diane. Hi, ladies. So cool. Hi, Diane. Welcome. (laughs) Thank you for having me on. We're so happy you're here. Okay, should we just dive in with the basics? What is a manager? Well, I would say in basic terms, a manager is responsible for the overall career strategy often working with writer clients to decide what to write on spec, to help fine-tune what they've written, to decide how and where to sell the work. And more and more, it's evolving into managers getting the jobs as well. And that's, I assume, because people don't have agents right now, or many people don't. Right. A lot of clients that were with big agencies only have managers, and many have attorneys also, but attorneys don't typically go out and get the job. And Diane, what is the difference? I mean, now I know everything is sort of turned upside down because of the conflict with writers and the ATA. But in general, what is the difference between an agent and a manager? A lot of people have been writing us asking that question. Well, I'd say there's definitely some crossover between them, namely, as I said, in the pursuit of jobs. They often, you know, Both will decide where to sell a show or a feature, but managers typically have far fewer clients and Mm. more time for each client. They can cover the entire town where agencies have coverage. For example, only the covering agent at a particular studio is supposed to be speaking to that studio. And a covering agent is often responsible for selling clients that he or she doesn't really know, has never met, even has never read, and it can put the client at a real disadvantage. I would say at our company, we don't have any internal agendas where many agents, especially at big agencies, are encouraged to primarily service producers rep by their agency. So there's often an upside to being at an agency where big producers and directors and stars are repped, since it can give you access, but it really cuts both ways. 
Yeah, I mean, we have loved that you can interact with all the agencies and find out about projects from any agency as opposed to just focusing on the one agency. It seems to us as the writers like a huge advantage in terms of the material that we have access to. Diane, do you think that there's an advantage for writers to have both a manager and an agent or is only a manager necessary? I think it's an individual choice. I would say years ago and many years ago, (laughs) actors and comedians had managers, but directors and writers really didn't. Then as the business became more challenging and agencies became bigger, more directors and writers turned to managers to help expand their opportunities. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. it costs more to have both, but it can be useful. You know, 90% of nothing is nothing, but 80% of a huge win can be huge. So I would say it's a very individual choice. Right. And it seems like a lot of young writers get their first job through a manager. We've just noticed that as we hire people, a lot of times it'll be a manager contacting us about a young new writer as opposed to an agent. Do you think managers are more willing to take on new talent? Why is that? Absolutely, because agents do not take on new writers anymore. It's just the way it is. Mm. So the best way to get your career off the ground as a new writer is to find a manager. What do you look for when you're looking to take on a new writer? Will you still at this point in your career take on someone who's never had a job? I will, in particular, if a client recommends them and knows them, has read them, etc. But if a new writer is going out there cold, I have some advice for them. Great. Please. <laughs> you want to hear it because I get yes. hundreds of queries each week, mostly generic emails from people who have not done their homework. Mm. And my best advice is to choose a couple of writers whose careers they admire. Find out who their manager is, write a brief, impassioned email to the manager along the lines. I know that you rep Liz Craft and Sarah Fain, and I hope to follow a career trajectory like theirs, something like that in your own words. And then ask if the manager would be interested in reading their work, describe the best piece of writing with a log line, and here's the important part that no one ever does. Pick up the phone. Follow up with a phone call to the manager's office and get to know the assistant. Because 90% of assistants on the desks of reps are climbers. Mm. And they want to be the ones to find the next big star. So if the assistant says the manager doesn't have time, isn't taking on anyone new, etc., ask the assistant if they will read your work. And if they say no, hit them up again in three weeks or a month and stay on them in the nicest way possible. And this will yield results. Eventually, the assistant will read it. And if they like it, they'll be the champion with the manager. And it's amazing how I just will get these emails and the same email over and over and over weekly. No thought has gone into it and no real follow-up. So this is, this is my advice. That I is think amazing that is amazing advice. <laughs> yes. Genius advice. I never would have thought to follow up with a phone call. Sarah, you and I are the sort of Midwestern, (laughs) don't want to bother people types. And so I would feel 
just reticent to call, but having heard that advice, like I would have, if someone had told us that when we just got to LA, we would have, but no one ever said that. And it's so clear once you say it, it seems so obvious, but I've never thought about that. Well, and networking with assistants, as you're saying, is such a brilliant strategy because they do want to be that person who can be the hero for their boss and they want to move up and like, and they 100%. will move up. Of course. Yes, yeah. they will. Yeah. And Diana, question we get over and over again, and we answer it over and over again, but it still keeps coming up, is what should people write? Mm. Specs, I feel like, are still used to get into various programs, but do you want to read a pilot from somebody or will you read specs? What's your take on the material they should work on? Well, for TV writers who want to get, new writers who want to get on staff, unfortunately, the day of the spec episodes of Breaking Bad or anything else are gone. There are programs, you're right, I think that the Fox program, the NBC program, will read specs of existing shows, the Warner Brothers Writers Workshop will, but most people hiring want to read an original pilot. And a pilot, as you know, is very tough to execute. So I have found that in addition to that, if you have a short story or a one-act play, you can get traction from having that to go along with a pilot because you're judged pretty harshly on a pilot. Occasionally, there are showrunners who will say, I really only want a writer's draft of an episode of an existing show if they were on staff Mm. or a spec episode of a show. But that's few and far between, and it's not any of the executives. It's only the occasional showrunner who prefer that. But it's important to have original material. That's our impression as well. It is so hard to write a good pilot. And we always tell everyone, and I assume you will agree with this, Diane, that the most important thing a writer can do to get work is to have an amazing script. It's like... I find that if someone truly has an amazing piece of material, they will get hired. Would you agree with that? Yeah. I mean, the cream rises to the top. And especially if you hook the reader, really, it's a psychological effect. If they're hooked by page two and they'll read to page 10, and if they really think it's good, they don't even finish it and they'll just meet the writer. So it's very important to have that way to just grab someone's attention and keep it. A hundred percent. Yeah. We say five pages. I love that you say two. Yes. We say the first five. The first five have to be great. Yeah. I would say the first five, but I think after years of reading by page two, I'll know, yeah, there's something here or not. And then I'll keep going. Awesome. Well, Diane, this is amazing advice. Thank you so much for coming on today, hopefully for the first of many times. Well, thanks for inviting me. We're hoping we can incorporate you into the podcast, have our call our manager segment where we can call you with questions (laughs) that only you can answer because um, there are many things that we don't know and we need expertise. Well, good. Well, I'm glad I'm here to offer it. (laughs) Diane, thank you so much for being here. We want to remind everyone to check out www.fraserentertainmentgroup.com where you can enjoy some wonderful performances and donate to the Actors Fund. Thank you. Coming up, Sarah is wondering how she can choose the smaller life. But first, this break. 
Liz, there is nothing I love more than having a delicious meal that I didn't have to cook, which is why I have been getting no prep, no mess meals from Factor. Meet your wellness goals in time for summer thanks to the menu of chef-crafted meals with options like Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Factor's fresh, never-frozen meals are dietitian approved and ready to eat in just two minutes. So no matter how busy you are, you'll always have time to enjoy nutritious, great-tasting meals. Last night, I had blackened salmon with broccoli and with cauliflower rice. It was so delicious. It was the perfect dinner. Head to factormeals.com slash HIH50 and use code HIH50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month. That's code HIH50 at factormeals.com slash HIH50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. Okay, Liz, it's time for Take a Hike, and it wasn't so long ago that we actually did take hikes, in which we discuss mental, physical, and spiritual health. I think today's subject covers all three for me. Yes. On this podcast and on Happier with Gretchen Rubin, we discuss the notion of choosing the bigger life, and we are big proponents of the bigger life, usually. (laughs) Right. Right now, I wish, and I mean desperately wish, that my life were smaller. I have too much life. Yeah, you are one person doing all (laughs) the cooking, all the cleaning. You're in charge of all the remote learning, all entertainment. All the pets. (laughs) All the pets. You are in charge of everything. Yes. And also, something I was thinking about is you also have to do all the worrying. And make all of the decisions about how to minimize your risk or what risks you can take or not take. Yes. It is a lot for one person. It's a lot. And also, by the way, we have our two jobs. We have the podcast job and we have the television career job. And then I have my rental cabins job in northern Minnesota. Yes. So you (laughs) have a big life. You wanted it that way. But right now, not being able to have any help managing these things. It is a lot. It is a lot. Sarah, I have to say there have been so many times over the past several weeks when I have taken a moment to be grateful that I only have one child. The ratio of two adults to one child is a good one. Absolutely. (laughs) You know, it's just so much easier dealing with one schedule. We have, you know, (laughs) two people to deal with one remote learning. So someone's always available to help with a science project. Yeah, no, and I have been both grateful that I only have one child because I don't know how I would manage the school for two and also wished that I did have another child so that they could occupy each other. It's a complicated equation. Right. Yeah. Yes. So you're wishing that there was a way to make your life smaller right now. Let's say smaller, simpler, and therefore easier. Easier. And... You and I were talking about ways you could potentially do this, but then we realized we really want to ask our listeners because you and I weren't coming up with that many solutions. I know. We'll share our solutions. Yeah. But I definitely want to hear from our listeners because I know that I am not the only person right now wishing that I had less, had less to manage, had less to do, you know, just in general, wishing for less and smaller. And again, not forever. In general, I love my life. But mm-hmm. right now, I would really like for it to be smaller. So right now, I think you're wishing you'd taken my advice and not gotten those two guinea pigs. 
<laughs> Honestly, I've never regretted anything more. <laughs> and I am not like a regret person that I regret getting the guinea pigs right now. Right now. They are very sweet. And I, someday I'll love them again. But they poop so much. Mm. They're constant, constant maintenance. Ugh. There's nothing to do about it. Yes. So that is not a thing that's going to be smaller. That right. kind of is what it is. You're not going to just open the back door and let them run around. <laughs> Let them roam and feed themselves on the neighborhood fake grass. Sadly, no. Okay, so what are some things that you have done? Well, one thing I did, and this is small, I got a stick vacuum. Explain what that is. It's like a vacuum that charges and doesn't have a cord and it doesn't even have a bag. It just like fills up and you empty it straight into the trash can. Because my vacuum, it's a good vacuum, but it's a canister vacuum with the long cord and the attachments and the this and the that. It's just like, I just didn't want to deal with it literally going room to room. So I got right. a stick vacuum. That's great. Okay. I just ordered a bunch of paper plates. Because the dishes are just nonstop. Even in our Ugh. house, I am loading and unloading the dishwasher constantly. That is something, if I could even just minimize dishes, mm -hmm. that would be amazing. I literally leave the long dusting things for ceilings and ceiling fans and like high things. I leave them out in the dining room so mm. I can just grab like, it, grab them and do it as I walk by. It doesn't look super great, but it's easier. And I'm making really simple meals. I mean, I'm trying not to order out. Mm -hmm. I'm trying to make most of our dinners and I'll make things like chili that can last a long time and vegetable soup that can last a long time. Chili with Beyond Meat. So I feel like I'm doing a lot of things food wise. It's funny, Sarah, because I feel like one suggestion that we're going to get from a lot of people is have Violet do things. Have Violet clean her own room. Have <sighs> Violet help make dinner. Have Violet do the dishes. And I I'm sure you have found, as I have, that getting a kid to do something is often twice the amount of work of just doing it yourself. Absolutely. Now, when this first started, I was insisting that Violet helped me unload the dishwasher every morning. It was more stressful yeah. than to just let her eat breakfast and I unload the dishwasher. So she is responsible for her room and her playroom, okay. but mostly they're just a total mess and I just right. let it go. <laughs> Yeah. And that's one thing that you can do is only clean what you really have to clean. Like you don't yes. want it to be dirty. You don't want to be depressed by too much <laughs> clutter. But like now might not be the time when your floors are going to get mopped, you know, as much as you would like. I mean, I can say like our duvet cover is yeah. not getting washed as often. It's not as getting it might. a regular laundering. <laughs> not as often as it might otherwise get. <laughs> So part of the answer, I think, is to just release things. But mm. beyond that, what is there to do to kind of help make our lives smaller in a way that can help us be mentally and emotionally and spiritually stronger and saner during this time? Yes. That's the question. I have a feeling that people are going to have some solutions that in a million years we never would have thought of. So I can't wait to read those and hopefully implement them. I hope so. Please, whatever you've got, please send it to us. We need your help. Email us or send a voice memo to happierinhollywood at gmail.com. Yes, I included you in the we need your help, but truly, I need your help. I need your help. <laughs> Coming up, we've got an alternative to Zoom meetings. But first, this break. 
I don't know about you, but we're always looking for ways to get our kids involved and give back in our local community. That's why we're excited to tell you about Student Visionaries of the Year, a campaign by the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society, which is the largest nonprofit organization dedicated to creating a world without blood cancers. Student Visionaries of the Year is a seven-week philanthropic leadership development program for high school students. Participants form strong teams and fundraise in honor of a pediatric blood cancer survivor in their local community. I would love for Violet to do this program when she's in high school. This program is transformative. It not only helps students develop valuable life skills like project management, communication, financial literacy, and entrepreneurship, not to mention it looks great on college applications, but most importantly, it's also a chance for them to engage in meaningful work within their community and make a real impact on blood cancer patients and their families. You can learn more about Student Visionaries of the Year or even nominate a student at lls.org slash students. That's lls.org slash students. It is time for this week's Hollywood Hack. Now, we have been talking a lot about how to improve our Zoom meetings. We've talked about the touch-up appearance button, what to wear, how to production design (laughs) your space. But a lot of us are experiencing Zoom fatigue. Yeah, some people are spending hours a day on Zoom and staring at a screen all day can just be totally draining. Yes, so we have an alternative, phone calls instead of Zoom meetings. We were talking, Sarah, to a writer friend the other day. Ah, delightful. Who said she has started having good old-fashioned phone calls instead of Zoom meetings. What's hard to me about Zoom is knowing who's talking when, right? For some reason, it's less clear on Zoom than it is on a telephone call. Why that (laughs) is, I don't know. Someone could write a thesis about it. This is for writers. Obviously, this would apply to any job in any industry. Sometimes you need a Zoom meeting. In our case, if you have to look at a whiteboard or a whiteboard app of some sort, But a lot of the time, you don't need to be looking at something, and you can talk on the phone. Yeah. And so this is where our hack comes in. It's not talking on the phone. We're going further than that. Okay, this is the hack. Have a phone meeting while everyone walks. So many of us are just feeling stuck in our houses. Start walking around while you're having your phone meeting. Walk around your house. Walk around your apartment. Go outside and walk. Of course, This kind of meeting requires not wearing a mask, so you'd have to do it somewhere where you're not around other people. But doing walking phone calls on your treadmill desk, on your treadmill, walk. Yes, because what we know from our personal experience is that we tend to be more productive when we're walking, like when we hike or you and Marsha and I would walk around the lot when we really were Mm -hmm. dealing with a story problem. And usually by the end of the walk, we would have our answer I think it's still true that we all might be way more productive having walking meetings. We're just not walking together. We're walking in our own spaces, whatever that is. And if you're outside, you get vitamin D, which is very important, fresh air, and it makes it easier to do your walk 20 and 20, which, you know, I'm trying to walk an extra 20 minutes every day of 2020 wasn't planning on a quarantine when I committed to that. (laughs) So this is just a way to fight Zoom fatigue and be a little healthier and more productive. Yes. And that is it for this episode of Happier in Hollywood. 
For questions or comments, email us or send us a voice memo to happierinhollywood at gmail.com. Thanks for listening and please subscribe if you haven't already. Big thanks to Diane Frazier for joining us today. We will no doubt be calling upon her often. Thanks to our executive producer, the amazing Chuck Reed, and thanks to everyone at Sancola Sound. You can follow them on Instagram at Sancola Sound. Thanks to everyone at Cadence 13. And as always, thank you to Gretchen Rubin. Happier in Hollywood is part of the Onward Project. Listen to the other Onward Project podcasts, Happier with Gretchen Rubin, Side Hustle School, and Do the Thing with Whole30's Melissa Urban. Get in touch. I'm on Instagram at Sfane and Liz is at Liz Craft. We also have a Facebook group. Search for Happier in Hollywood on Facebook to join in on the conversation. Until next week, I'm Liz Craft. And I'm Sarah Fane. Thanks for joining us. It's a fun job. And we enjoy it. Sarah, this is the shirt I was thinking about wearing for our meeting today. My question is, does it look too much like a pajama top? (laughs) I don't think so. I wouldn't have thought that. I mean, I see what you mean. Like the piping is a little pajama toppy. But no, I don't think so. Scoot back a little. What do you think? Oh, it's cute. It's like camo flowers. Yes. I like it. All right. Well, I'll wear it. And if during the meeting you feel I look like I'm wearing a pajama top, alert me and I won't wear it again. (laughs) Okay. Deal. (laughs) From the Onward Project.